Hello and welcome to Case Reopen, your number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me as always is the one, the only, Canada's finest, Colleen. How are you? <laughs> Good. Hi, Tyler. I'm so excited to be talking about movie two. Yeah, we're going to cover the 14th Target, and uh, so we it was obviously we had to be joined by the 14th guest of the show. He's more probably like the third or fourth. I don't think we've had... He's probably like, what? <laughs> fourth? Anyhow, Spencer's back. Spencer, how's it going? It is going great, Tyler. Yay. Welcome. And hey, and then, uh, hey, Colleen, how are you doing? I hope that y'all are staying safe and in washing All your good. hands. All good. Thanks for coming back. Yes. I think last time we had you on, Spencer, I think Colleen was being, like, spicy towards me. So I hope I'm hoping that doesn't occur again. But <laughs> it, maybe it shouldn't bring that out. It just shouldn't. It just shouldn't like occur. Even though that as that there is always a running joke between me and just my friends about that I am not a savage. I do not know what this savagery that they that they claim I have of. I don't know. <laughs> and maybe you're a bad influence. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Innocent. I am not, Canadian. I'm not a bad influence. I guess it's just, uh, I guess it's the Southern charm. I guess. Guys, I've been self isolating for a week, so you don't, <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen tonight. Oh, <laughs> uh, geez. So, yeah, we're covering movie two here, The 14th Target, originally released in theaters on April 17th, 1999. Um, just before we jump in to the film itself, Colleen, uh, first off, how excited were you to cover this film, and did you remember how? Did you remember a lot of the plot beats? I remember nothing from this film. When uh, you said the title was the Fourteenth Target, I had no idea what that even alluded to. Um, I think I've seen, like, I watched this movie maybe over a decade ago, so I was really excited to jump back in and watch it because uh, I've been sort of watching the newer stuff. So it was nice to do this uh, throwback. Yeah, I was largely the same way. I kind of remembered it counting down and there being a bunch of targets, but I didn't really remember specific story beats. Uh, what about you, Spencer? Yeah, that jumping back up into this, and I actually like remember who the corporate was right before even like clues and stuff came together. So it just came back bit by bit, but the story beats and then the motive and such was still what was just still foggy. But much, but just it was still just you know like fun to going back and then like re and just like revisit this episode. I mean that this movie movie rather up in just a more more just a deeper sense. Yeah, there were definitely some moments where I was like, oh, I remember this. Uh, like, the when they got to the underwater, like, uh, restaurant. Oh, like yeah, That yeah. started coming back real... A lot of memories started flying back. But other than that, I didn't really remember a ton. Um, so the film begins with Ron meeting Eerie at some ruins. Every Eerie yells at her daughter to stay away, and then a gun goes off. Ron's mom falls down, and then Ron wakes up. It was actually all just a nightmare. She then phones her mother, and uh, she talks about the dream over the phone, and she says that Eri looked younger during it. Uh, Eri tells her that the dream is just a side effect of Ron being involved in too many cases as of late. Uh, I like that explanation, just because we don't really see like the psychological trauma that these characters are probably going through like all throughout this series. No, especially the Detective Boys episodes. Like These kids have seen a lot of bad stuff, but they just seem to... like be nonchalant about it like nothing's happened 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That the more psychological aspects that we really don't get to explore it as much, much, much up in the regular show. So I was just agreeing with y'all. Before ending the call, they confirm plans to meet at 7 p.m. And Ron says that both Kogro and Conan are looking forward to it. After they hang up, Ari wonders if Ron still remembers something before the camera zooms in on a scar on her leg. So uh, that begins the episode, which, uh, sorry, episode, that begins the movie, which uh, winds up being uh, more about Ron's mother and her relationship with Koguro than I kind of remembered. Did you find that an interesting focus, especially, Colleen, since the anime to this point, we've only seen Ari in like one or two episodes. Yeah. No, I was really uh, happy to see her more involved in this one, and I enjoyed seeing the backstory uh, aspect of it between her and Kogoro. Um, so I don't want to start going into that just yet, but uh, I was really excited to see kind of how their relationship was in the past and kind of what happened to their uh, marriage. We then see the movie's title card, and we get the introduction going over the series' general premise, and it shows off the key characters. Every movie kind of has this right after the opening. It also highlights Professor Agassa's inventions, and even shows a redone clip from episode 20, A Haunted Mansion Murder Case, where Conan uses his suspenders to open the basement hatch. I really like that, because that's one of my favorite episodes where the mother's like, uh trying to hide her son killing his father and then the son goes insane from guilt that's all that's like a real memorable case so i love that i got to see a little scene from that episode even though you know you couldn't really tell that if you weren't like i I guess a geek like me but i i remembered it (laughs) i like that they also um and this is exclusively for the movies i believe they uh shone a light on uh, the um the skateboard usually like we'll see the inventions like i think the suspenders make a few appearances in the tv series but the skateboard is a lot rarer so they're just like oh and conan has a solar powered skateboard by the way which we never see him ride in the series yeah they they go almost overkill with the skateboard later on but Mm -hmm. we won't have to worry about that for (laughs) quite a few years (laughs) on this podcast but uh once we get the like movie like (laughs) 14 and 15 oh, some God. crazy theatrics <laughs> the scene then switches the baker prison where we see a man named morikami joe get uh released he then opens a notepad and it has kogoro's name on it the scene then switches to the detective boys hanging out with conan ayumi gets her fortune read and it says that her and her boyfriend are a perfect match due to this she loudly proclaims that she and conan are meant to be which causes the other boys to get upset Ayumi then reads Conan's fortune, which says that he'll suddenly get close to a special someone, and there's a chance for an A. And then uh, we learn that, like, the Japanese, instead of saying, like, first base, they, they say you get an A for a kiss. And then I think it's like a C for going all the way. Exciting Japanese knowledge here. What's the B, then? I think, like, second, physical action. Second, you know, is, it's just probably second touching, base. Touching some boobs. Okay. Some boobskies. <laughs> um, I I liked me because uh, I think the detective boys went through like thinking what A could stand for, and I think Misahiko's was the funniest, just for you know an English speaking audience because I guess it makes sense 
in Japanese, but his thing was like, well, A is the letter that comes before B. So it's, it was just funny for me because obviously, like for the Japanese, like all their word plays are with their language. But uh, so he would have said A being the English alphabet. But when you're an English speaking audience, it's just like, okay, thank you, Captain Obvious. A is the letter that comes before B. So, Colleen, what's your sign? <laughs> I switch sides like a Gemini. A Gemini? Okay. So, what about you, Spencer? I am a, I am a proud Scorpio. Scorpio. Okay. I'm going to look up our horoscopes for the day. Just to, yeah, just to see what's going on. So. And Tyler, you're an Aries? I'm an Aquarius. Oh, okay. An Aquarius. Aquarius. So, Scorpio, this is for Spencer. This is the ideal moment to address once and for all the questions that have been on your mind for the last three weeks. Pay particular attention to questions that touch on your sentimental side. If you're currently involved in unsatisfactory relationships, don't be afraid to leave them behind. If you're fretting about a request that you made that has yet to be answered, let it go. No response is forthcoming. So, uh, it's time to break up with your girl, Spence. Nah, no, I mean, that that I don't know that that's terrible. I mean, but <laughs> I, I guess it could be something to do with just like my outside life. Probably not relationship stuff. I don't know that. I kind of buy into on fifty fifty. For a do you have stuff. any questions that have been on your mind about this podcast? Uh, you know that the obvious one, but then that you know other 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 than uh, other than that the lack of a Mister. Bradford for a few for just a few episodes, but we can just understand that, I guess. I you know I don't think we've actually addressed that. So Kyle's taking a break from the podcast right now oh, due okay. to COVID nineteen, just kind of stressed out. So he's just taking some time away. He'll be back as soon as he's doing better. Oh, okay. So there we go. Yeah. We got that as far as we know, he me. doesn't have it. Oh, then that's good. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just. uh it's messing up his work and stuff. Yeah. He's just generally stressed out by the world being in a, a disaster zone. So. Okay. Uh, Jim and I, that's you, Colleen. Are you thinking of switching careers or traveling to the other side of the world? Or perhaps you just want yeah. to pull a Greta Garbo and stay at home alone with shades drawn tight? A series of small incidents at work is likely to inspire you with the most outlandish of ideas might just be that you sense your inner need for a change of scene. Wow. I don't know if I'll be traveling anywhere, so it's probably the second yeah. one. <laughs> Keeping my windows shut. So, and then Aquarius says, These past three weeks were rather good for your equilibrium. It was just a matter of getting a bit more involved in life than is usual for you, and showing what you're capable of. It's likely you had a mixture of successes and setbacks, but on the whole, improvements have been steady. You might have noticed that something about you needed improvement, but isn't that true for everyone? This is like this didn't even tell me nothing. It had told me actually a lot, and then that that is true. That is true <laughs> because then that you that we did have a minor setback last weekend, but then that you came out with something positive to release for the fans. So there you go. That's true. So. What Spencer's alluding to is we were supposed to do this last week, but then I did not have, well, I had power, but I didn't have internet for like a day and a half, which was very annoying. Um, so I was unable to record 
Good point, Spencer. Maybe maybe the horoscopes do have some. Uh, oh God, I'm going to become an astronomy guy. Some validity to them. astrology. Sorry, not astronomy. Astronomy's cool. Yeah, astronomy is cool. Agasa then runs towards the kids and apologizes for ever sleeping, and he takes them all to the Toto Aeronautic Memorial Museum. And all the kids are amazed by all the planes they see. They get excited about a helicopter simulator that the museum offers, but then they find out it's only for 5th graders and above. Agasa tries to cheer them up by telling them a story about Pegasus, but Mitsuhiko decides to do a quiz instead. Uh, I, I do kind of love how there's always a bad pun-filled quiz in each movie. I do too. It's just so hilarious. Yeah. But I also try to play along and try to guess it because I, I do not remember this answer. And then I'm like, like I don't get this one. That this one was hard. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them are related like to Japanese-specific language. So it's very difficult usually for uh, people that aren't native to Japan. Yeah, for that reason, it's kind of interesting to see how the dub uh, translates it because a lot of them are world word plays. So, I mean, we can go through what it was and I'll we can talk about the dub if you want because it's like, it kind of dumbs it yeah, down. Yeah, the dub. we can hear that. Um, so, Masika says that there's three guys born on New Year's, April Fool's, and Children's Day that they formed a club. He then asks them all what it's called. He gives a hint saying it's a flying animal like a Pegasus. Conan says that if you add up their birthdays, you get the answer, which is October 7th, which is uh, Tenakai or a reindeer. So, Colleen, what was the uh, dub version? So, in the dub, it was similar. Like, it's the same answer, but instead of the three days that were mentioned, it's uh, these three guys were born on December 3rd, 5th, and another. Anyways. All of their birthdays basically added up to December 25th. And then Conan's like, and what flies on December 25th? Santa and his reindeer. So that Thank was God. the quiz. Yeah. I see, I see. <laughs> Spencer doesn't seem that, impressed. That, that dad joke, I'm like, oh God, help. Kenta then recognizes a cameraman taking pictures named uh, Shishido Amai, uh, who then playfully takes photos of the kids. We then see the guy from earlier, Joe, as he stops at the Mori Detective Agency, but nobody's there to answer the door. The scene then cuts to Ron getting an autograph from an essayist named Nishina Minoru, and uh, Ron tells him that he, she's a big fan of his, and that he wants, and that she wants him to keep writing tasty books. Everybody kind of laughs in the crowd. There were some tasty books comments. Uh, Sonica then remarks that he's even more handsome in person than in pictures, and that he's her type. They then spot a reckless driver who winds up being a model. <laughs> Everyone's Sonica's type, though. <laughs> it's true. You are true. They then spot a reckless driver who winds up being a model named Asanai Nana. And Sonica says, I have no interest in women. Let's get some tea instead. <laughs> Sorry, it's just such a random thing to say. We can't, the, the thing about this episode, we start seeing so many characters in like a rapid pace that are introduced but then not really shown meaningfully. And as soon as I remembered, like, oh yeah, 14 targets, I'm like, these people are not in for a good life. Yeah, then that, no. uh, that we were just kind of just thrown just all of the 
Cause that you know that they kind of have tales up in that the show and the movies of like that if that they actually show a character's name, you know that they are key to the story. So it's just like a bunch of people to keep up with for and then it just kind of gets kind of cloudy at times. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the start, uh, Colleen? Do you? I know you have like, unlike Spencer, who has half photographic memory, you have very good memory. <laughs> um, was it like a bit too much to take in with all these characters being introduced and then gone in a second here? Uh, no, I I was keeping track, but I was also um, mindful that these are going to be characters for just the movie, and they're going to be specifically. Um, connected to this crime so uh, whatever you know once we find out that it's actually uh, well at first we think it's Kogoro like the people close to Kogoro uh, and then when you realize well it's more like people that he vaguely knows then you you realize something is up but uh, yeah the characters um, I mean I was keeping up so far but uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, Sonico asks why Ron is still trying to set her mom and dad back together as it's been 10 years since she left. Ron says they separated because their personalities clashed. Uh, Sonico says that Eri's career as a lawyer flourished after, while Kogoro quit the police and then became a clueless detective. However, she does admit that he's gotten his act together now, so they're a bit more on even footing career-wise. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with Kogoro. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of being a clueless detective, it's nearly 7 o'clock and Ron starts yelling at her father for not being ready yet because instead of working, he had just gone out and played Mahjong all day. Sounds like a nice day, to be honest. Kegura then asks why he has to go to dinner with his wife and uh, the television catches Conan's <laughs> attention. A new program is interviewing Asahi Kasuyoshi, who owns an entertainment complex called Aqua Crystal, but Ron shuts it off. They then arrive at the French restaurant La Fleur, and Ron apologizes for them being late. We then meet a professional golfer named Suji Hiroki, who arrives with two women around both of his shoulders. What did you think about this playboy here, uh, Colleen? I thought uh, he was deserving of it. He's pretty oh. cute. He's good. I see. So I Spencer, is this how you what, like you... rock up to uh, to a French restaurant? You get, you get two babes around you? No, no, no. I just keep it classy and just basically just, just show up, just all dressed up, dressed up, trimmed enough, trimmed up and stuff. And then that me and just my grandma, that we just talk about random stuff. And then that they, then that we just get strange, just looks at us of just like that. My God, why are you even here beside us? And then that I just, and then that I just give people just the deaf glares while we, while now dinner, while we just. What are you? While we just while we just sit and enjoy a great meal, why are you why are you getting looked at? Are you sure that like the death glares aren't making people look at you more? No, no, that it is basically. I think it's still about people are still up in that like interracial couple thing. Is still basically new to them quotation marks. So then they're like, huh, Nani? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I can relate. Every time I see, you know, interracial couple, I, I I speak Japanese. That's my initial reaction. So that makes sense. You're like, maybe they'll understand me. 
Jeez. Uh, so the golfer explains that uh, him and Koguro played together in a pro-am tournament, and Koguro mentions that the U.S. Open's coming up. However, he's taken a break to go fly a helicopter with these two girls accompanying him in a few days ahead of it, and he then invites Koguro and all of his family to go flying with him, but Koguro turns him down as he's afraid of flying. Uh, Colleen, you, since you are the master memory person, do you remember like Koguro having a fear of heights or flying before this? No, I do not recall that. Uh, although I don't know if they've had a lot of opportunities to fly. I mean, they drive and take, like, they've, um, what is it, take a boat somewhere? But uh, Yeah, I just don't remember this being part of his personality. I'm curious, as we keep rewatching, if it ever comes up again. I think it comes up, right. up in well, like future, as- future, but I don't think that we have seen anything so far. Yeah. Yeah, but this is where we kind of have to look at, okay, how much of the movie is canon? And same thing with, like, Aerie's scar. I don't know if we ever hear about it again. Well, when do you see her legs? When when are you getting to check up her upper thigh, Colleen? Oh, well, not that often. She, I think she wears skirts a lot, but maybe it's not that low, like, that high. Yeah, whenever whenever I'm looking up hentai, I give them very low scores if they don't include the the scar. I'm like zero. Oh yeah, all the not all accurate. the lawyer hentai that you're looking at. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> well, I just believe in the justice system. Objection. <laughs> <laughs> Sustained. Ron tells Kenan about the sommelier named Sawaki, who her parents have known since they were young. Conan asks him about his grape badge that he has on, and Ron explains that it's the mark of a sommelier. We then see him use his taste vent to test the wine, and Kegger is impressed at how much his daughter knows about wine tasting. She says that she learned about it in Nishina's book, and uh, there's a small scene here where she starts spouting off some knowledge about keeping wine chilled, and then uh, Sawaki's like, no, that's not actually accurate. Um, so, and so you're that, that, that winds up being, yeah, so that winds up having more significance later on. I, at first, I will say, in my notes, I did not bother to write it down. I didn't think it was important, but, uh, in retrospect, it is kind of important scene. Um, there's also a funny scene where Ron goes to clean off Conan's face, and he remembers his chance for a kiss fortune, so he's like, oh, are we going to kiss? I don't know why he was thinking about that, because she's not going to kiss you to clean off the food. So, like, get your mind out of the gutter, kid. Um, but then uh, the cock blocker that he is, Kogoro quickly cleans up Conan's face instead, which I really enjoyed. Oh, that that was a beautiful scene. Then all of a sudden, sudden that just Kogoro just come up in the headlocks Conan and be like, you damn kid being messy. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Ari <laughs> then asks Koguro if he remembers the first time that they were there 15 years ago Koguro says that he gave her the, the Zagoba chocolates that she likes back then Ron is happy at how well the date is going and then Koguro spots a woman that he knows uh, across the street named Okano Tawako and uh, she's with a newscaster named Peter Ford Koguro is wondering why she's with such a man and then Ari asks who Tawako is and then he then explains that she's a mistress of a club and that she takes care of him a lot. So, uh, real smooth to tell your wife that. Yeah, I don't know if Kogoro thought he was on a date, though. Well, clearly not. 
But like, still, why are you gonna piss no, off? No, because he's like, uh, you're still married. I'm going to the the club with all the uh, what are they called? Hostesses. That's what they're. Yeah, I mean, I would have just probably just played it off with just like that. She that huh, she was my she was our waitress that one time, right, Ron? Just did, just does his nervous laugh about it. But yeah, that you know that it's just basically you know just it just sl- just fades up into black and white like he had done fucked up pretty much. Yeah, he's not the king of smooth like you are. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? Visibly pissed off, Eerie then leaves dinner early, saying she has work to do. Ron yells at her dad, and Conan calls him hopeless. One week later, we see Megumi working out, which is a funny sight to see. You wouldn't expect to see him jogging, would you? I would. I mean, Not that most cops. I mean, that most cops that they have to do that physical assessment, assessment yearly. So then, that maybe then he's just that try, trying to make some life changes and stuff. Who knows? Well, he ain't got a jogging body. Proving that he shouldn't work out, he gets immediately hit by a crossbow while he's running. And uh, then we see Kogar, Ron, and the detective boys arriving at the hospital to visit him. And uh, thanks to Ginta misreading his name, we learned that Megri's first name, Juzo, has the same kanji in it that the number 13 does. It's explained that the arrow missed his vital organs, so he'll only be hospitalized for a few days. Ayumi then asks him why he always has his hat on, and he laughs it off, which uh, winds up being important later on in the anime. Megri then says that he didn't have his gun on him, and that even if he did, he's not as good of a shot as Kogura. So we learned that Kogura is quite the marksmith. Again, not something I th- thought was part of his character. Mm-hmm. I think that at least is mentioned in the series at some point. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Uh, De- Detective Shiratori says that they found something odd where the shooter was. And displays a western sword that Conan recognizes from somewhere. We then see Eri at her office, where she receives Zagoba chocolates in the mail. She believes it's from Kogoro, and then opens it up. She eats one, and then frantically asks her assistant for water before collapsing. She's rushed to the hospital, and they inform Ron that Eri's life isn't in danger, as they clean out her stomach immediately. I will say, this part kind of tipped off who, like, the culprit was for me. Because, like, only a few people should know about the chocolates, and they were all at that dinner. So I immediately became suspicious of the guy who wound up being the uh, culprit right here. So I don't... Did either of you guys have a suspect early on? I had a suspect pretty much just kind of like... Kind of like immediately kind of like after the, the whole like... That you know that the uh, c- correction scene back at the restaurant was just at the... Uh, he had said something about like that you know that those facts were incorrect... And I'm like, that's odd, because as a writer myself, you know that you're supposed to do proper research before you basically write something in your book. Because if not, somebody could basically, you know, sue you for slander and all of that. So you guys weren't suspecting Kogoro. I think somebody will. I mean, that if that you get like certain facts of stuff wrong, I, now that I have read about cases to where that people have sued for basically misrepresentation. Uh, of certain things. So you guys weren't suspecting Kogoro of poisoning the chocolates? <laughs> that would be a great way. I would sum up their relationship I... well. <laughs> that would be yeah. a twist. Because he's like, oh great, Ari now knows I go to a hostess club. Gotta re- get rid of her. 
They say that the poison was likely in an agricultural chemical. Erie is glad to see her whole family's there at the hospital and is told that she should stay there for the day. And there was a paper flower attached to the chocolates. And Sheratori wonders if this was done by the same culprit. We then switch to see Agasa finishing repairs on Conan's skateboard. And he then finds his front door shattered by rock. He opens up the door and is shot in the back with a crossbow before the culprit rides off on a motorcycle. Agasa says he's alright and tells Conan to chase after him. Uh, Conan then like kind of talks to the detective boys because they're all over town and he's able to kind of track the uh, motorcyclist. He chases him down to a red light and the man rides his motorcycle across a walkway knocking down this old lady and uh, Conan, rather than giving chase, checks on the old lady and the guy is able to get away. What do you think about the first big action scene, Colleen? Oh, so satisfying. Uh, can you sense my sarcasm there? You didn't like it? I mean, it, it was okay. Uh, I don't know. Compared to the other ones, though, so, sure, as a starting point, I'll I'll give them that. But to later on, some of the other stuff is pretty cool, like with the helicopter. Yeah. Uh, that this action scene was pretty was was just pretty solid. I had liked the tense moment that like that Conan was about to basically just like try to call the cops, but Doctor Igasa was just like like no chase his ass down pretty much, and basically then that you know then that that was a pretty pretty solid moment. Once Conan returns to Igasa's place, uh, he finds another object and he figures something out. At the hospital, Kenny explains that the culprit is committing his crimes according to the pictures on playing cards. First attack was Megary, who was 13. The item was the same sword that the King of Spades holds. Ares' maiden name is Kisaki, which means queen, and the queen holds the same flowers that were found in her chocolates. Meanwhile, Gas's name is Hiroshi, which is a combination of 10 and 1. That's why he's the jack, and the object he holds is what Conan found. Sheratori then explains that spades signify deaths the same way that hearts mean love, diamonds mean wealth, and clubs equate to happiness. Kegara says that the killer must be attempting to kill 13 people related to him and in descending order. So, uh, what do you think about the whole spill of this murder game, uh, Spencer? Counting down here. You know... That, you know, that this was a very interesting, you know, kind of like a killer's, uh, what do they call it? Uh, that they basically call it that their MO, I mean, that they that they call it that their signature. And I actually like this kind of a, kind of, of this idea of basically, you know, like, uh, we're just that the cards are like representing that the numbers of just the, the names and stuff. Overall, I think that this was a very, very clever way of doing it. Yeah, I really it. enjoyed it too. So I kind of like the whole explanation that they were going into and the setup I thought was really clever. Um, I also liked the connection that it had to Agatha Christie's ABC murders. thought that that was a nice kind of homage to that story. Shiratori says that the license plate of the bike was reported stolen and that they don't have any leads yet. Megary then arrives and says he suspects the culprit to be Murakami Joe. He was a car dealer that committed a murder 10 years ago and was just released. Kegaro says that he arrested him 10 years ago. Sheratori then tries to say something about the case, but is hushed by Megary. Kenan then asks Kegaro if he has acquaintances with 10 in their name, and he thinks of Tawaku, the uh, hostess from earlier. 
They then go over to her club to check on her and are glad that she's safe. They then explain the situation to her. And uh, while doing so, Ron asks Shiratori about what they're, what he was going to say earlier. He explains that Meguri and Kogoro arrested Murakami. And while they were interrogating him, he asked to use the restroom. They asked the officer in charge to take him in there. And then Eri brought Ron to the police station to give Kogoro a change of clothes. While they were in the bathroom, Murakami attacked the officer and took his gun. Ron then remembers the events as Eri was taken hostage. Kagura then took a shot that knocked her Eri down and then shot Murakami in the shoulder. Ron asked Shiratori why her father took the shot, and he says that he guesses Kagura was confident in, it, in his marksmanship. However, the bullet grazed her leg, and uh, Kagura was punished for firing on a suspect with a hostage, and he left the force shortly afterward. What do you think about this big backstory here, Colleen? We learn that Ron was taken hostage as a kid, Kogoro shot his wife. I liked it a lot. It had it added a lot of depth to uh, their family unit story. Um, I th- I didn't buy, and I don't think any of us bought that Kogoro actually shot Ari um, with the intention to hurt her. Like you he was- just suggested that he was going to poison her, Colleen. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> but that's now. This was then. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I. Like, it's kind of obvious that Kogoro did it um, to try and save her. And I know that's something that we discover later on in the film. Uh, but I, I really liked the whole backstory. That this backstory part was very intriguing. And then it actually showed a lot of depth up in, I mean, depth up in their character wise and stuff. And then it basically, from like the, the flag flashbacks it had basically just showed him and Megary were basically like the dot what that you know that they were like the dynamic duo that the unstoppable on the force so to speak and then that they were very competent competent partners and then I guess then that we which that we will get into later 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 that you know that this had affected Kogoro greatly I mean that Given just that this situation, I think that, you know, that I would be able to do this given this situation. You know, if then that one of my family members or else my girlfriend was basically up in like a life-threatening situation. You're going to take the shot, Spencer? I would take the shot. (laughs) Are you a marksman? I am not. I am not a marksman. But I will be willing to try to do anything that I can to, 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 to save those that who I love. Love and also I also fight for my friends. So sure. What if you just shoot her? I I I trust up in my ability that I will not shoot her. Okay. Fatally. So let's hope that Spencer's girlfriend doesn't get in a hostage situation because Spencer's probably gonna shoot her. <laughs> wow. It's no faith. No vote okay. of confidence whatsoever. No. No faith at all. No confidence at all. <laughs> Oh jeez. Um, so, did either of you suspect Murakami any? Mm, that it, if that this was my first time seeing it, I would have been like, oh yeah, yeah, uh-huh, sure, Mur- 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 Murakami. But then I, I'm like, that's just the obvious yeah. red herring. Yeah, he was a little too disconnected from the rest of the plot. I mean, they had like these little, um, little plot points that they tried to trick you into thinking that. He was involved, but uh, 
to the skilled eye like the three of us, I don't think it fooled us. Later that night, Kevin calls Ron as Shinichi, and she asks him to come home, which he can't do right now. She asks Shinichi if he would shoot, <laughs> and he's like, what? Um, she says that she now knows why her mom left her father. Damn. Uh, Ron's very mad at Kegura for shooting her. Um, she also says that no matter how confident he was with a gun, I can't believe he did that. Shinichi says that she doesn't know everything, and that she doesn't know the whole truth. He then tells her to cheer up, and then immediately Classic hangs Shinichi. up on her, which I thought was funny. Classic. <laughs> the next day, Kenan wonders why Murakami left clues that point towards him, and wonders how he found out about Kegura's accomplices while he was in prison. He's then reminded of Suji Hiroki, and realizes that he has ten within his name. Ron tells the police that he just left for the heliport 30 minutes ago, and they all decide to he- head there. Hiroki is told not to take his flight, and instead he asks Meguri and Kogre to join him. He says that his plan is to go to Toto Airport after some sightseeing. Kogre tries to get out of the ride due to his fear of flying, but is dragged on board by Meguri. Hiroki then uses his eye drops and then takes off, which is when Ron notices that Conan snuck on board. That was awesome. A little rascal. That was awesome. Roki welcomes Conan to the cockpit, and the flight goes well. However, he starts to have issues with his eyes, and the sunlight begins to blind him. Conan gives him instructions on where to fly, and looks for a spot to land. He tells him to land at the school grounds, and reassures Kogoro that he practiced on flight simulators <laughs> a lot when I was a kid. And then we get to see a terrified Kogoro go, But you're still a kid! <laughs> I love how this is a running gag. I like that little gag. Yeah, I mean, in every uh, movie, it seems, uh, Conan always talks about how, oh, well, my dad taught me this in Hawaii or wherever, so I love the running gag. Conan starts steering the helicopter while giving him instructions for the pedals, and Conan uses his detective boy's badge to warn the rest of the kids to get out of the way of the helicopter. The landing is far from clean, but they manage to be okay in the crash. Fuel then begins to leak, so everybody starts running away from it, and it winds up exploding, hurling Conan forward, but he's kind of pretty safe afterwards. Uh, there's also a funny scene where Ginta's trying to, like, understand how expensive the helicopter is, but he does th- <laughs> so through orders of fried eel. He's like, man, think how much fried eel you could buy with that. <laughs> oh, God, Ginta. Always thinking about food, like me. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, the episode we did last week calling where Kogoro was trying to like put together how much like money he was and he was trying to count it in thousands yeah. and uh, Ginta just does the same with Fridays, his currency I don't blame him he's a kid that this scene was was very was very good and then that as somebody that who have had their eyes dilated then I, uh, and then I, I and then I did and then I didn't catch this Whenever, whenever that I was first uh, watching the film, but now that since then I am since that I am a bit older, and then that I have been to the eye doctor to have my eyes dilated, and now that I understood that why that he was being blinded by the sun, then I was like, oh, that's what happened. Eye dilation drops. <laughs> yeah, how does that feel? Because I've I've never had my eyes dilated. It basically. It basically, it is basically like a numbing solution. So whenever dinner, they have to take your eye pressure. Dinner, they basically 
numb up your eyes so that way that you won't feel the needle or anything like that. So they probably tell you, you know, don't operate heavy, heavy machinery after doing this. Everyone visits Agasa again and are glad that everybody's safe so far. Megari explains that Hiroki's eye drops were changed to mydriatic medicine, which dilates the pupils and made him sensitive to light. Since his pupils will be dilated from 10 days to two weeks, he won't be able to compete at the U.S. Open. This which happened earlier that day as someone broke his house window in order to cause a distraction and then switched out his eye drops while he was checking it. Kegaru is certain that it's the same culprit and Megari agrees. Shiratori then comes in and says that they found 10 of spades uh, at the site of the crime and uh, they ask Kogoro if he knows a 9. Kogoro says he can't think of a 9 but he suspects that 8 will be Kohei Sawaki, the sommelier. Police visit Sawaki and he says that Kogoro is being quite calm about this and Kogoro says he's a 5 so there's still quite a few to go before he's up. Shiratori says he's fond of wine and gets permission to check out the wine cooler of Sawaki's. Kind of then notices some damage on the floor, and Sawaki explains that he dropped a bottle there the other day. Kogoro says that he even has some Chateau Petrus, which is the wine that Poirot drank in Death on the Nile, but Sawaki explains that he actually drank it the other day. Kogoro is surprised by this, as he was told it takes several years to age properly. Megari then gets Sawaki's plans for the day, which includes meeting with the owner of Aqua Crystal, as the owner, Asahi Katsuyoshi, says that he can be in charge of the restaurant there. They notice that Asahi's name has a 9 in it, but Kogoro doubts he will be a victim as he only found his pet cat once and they aren't really friends. Regardless, they decide to com- accompany Sawaki to his meeting, and Ron demands to go and says she can't just sit there and wait, as it involves her family. Oh, nice little scene with Ron, her showing her toughness and wanting to protect her family. Yeah, I mean, we don't get to see a lot of her karate in this one, so I guess this compensates for it a little bit. And I think she's also trying to maybe keep an eye on her dad a little bit, because I think she still has a bit of a sore spot after what she found out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think that I would be up in that same position, too, 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 just as Ron. You know, just finding out that, you know, that your dad has shot your mom and then that he had left a stable job to become a drunk before he got famous. Famous that I would want some questions too. And then that, and then that it is also then that she just doesn't. Then that she just as just that Colleen said. Then that she's just going up into that protective role, rolling in that it had even shocked Conan. Conan that whenever then that he would just with just that the eyes uh, wide and just like that that shocked expression uh, of just like oh she is being tough. Spencer, let us remind everybody that you chose the shoot earlier, so I, I don't know. feel like you can be offended here. What do you mean? I mean, I am not offended. I mean, that, you know, that I basically, I mean, that... You're the co-girl in this situation, Spencer. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that, you know, that I wouldn't be offended that I believe in that you have to do what you have to do to try to save those that you love, even that... Now that even if it does cause a little bit of turmoil, but then that you will thank me later on because that you are still alive. For the record, Colleen, I would not shoot you with a gun. Thanks, appreciate it. Even even if it were to save my life, I mean, I wouldn't shoot either of you either. Wow, wow! So you'll do it for your girlfriend, but you won't shoot us. What do you mean that if that y'all were hostages? Of course I would. I would try everything okay. up in my power to save people. 
So you're going to shoot me in the leg? Yes, I will shoot you in the leg and then proceed. Why are you, why are you telling me you're going to shoot me over over a podcast? I feel unsafe. I'm not people. going to shoot you over a podcast. No, it's so that you could continue I mean, podcasting. The, yeah, so that you can continue podcasting. Honey? <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so they arrive at the entrance and are nearly hit by a reckless driver parking the car. Winds up being the model Nana. And then uh, several men arrive. Megary asks who they all are. And we're introduced again to the essayist Machina, the cameraman Shishido, and the newscaster Peter Ford. Ford recognizes Kogoro and Nana poses for a picture with him. They were kind of getting snippy before then. But then as soon as they both realize they're both famous, they kind of get friendly all of a sudden. Which is quite funny. It shows how kind of fake they each are. Um, Machina then remembers Ron and says that both wine and women are especially mem- memorable oh, when they're beautiful. Yuck. What a line. <laughs> you didn't like that, Colin? No, I don't, I don't like lines uh, like that. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. What? That was cringeworthy of a pickup line. Exactly. I won't be uh, sharing my poetry on this podcast. Your haikus? <laughs> oh, that you wrote a piece? I'm not going into any other any further details. Uh, everyone was invited to meet with Asahi at 3 o'clock, and they decide to go to the restaurant, which uses a monorail system, kind of like Disney World. Uh, Kogoro asks Nishina if he's afraid of heights as he starts sweating, but he says that he actually has a fear of water since he can't swim. The restaurant has a huge aquarium surrounding it, and there's a Ferrari F4... Oh, sorry. There's a Ferrari F40 at the entrance. Beautiful pretty car. awesome. Shiratori goes to look around as Asahi isn't waiting for them, and Conan notes that the wine cellar is the only locked door. Shishido says he must be number six, and Kenan remarks that Nana is number seven, and that Nishina is two. All that's missing is a three and a one. Megari says that Shiratori is three, and Ron says that the one might stand for Shinichi, who's actually kind of there in spirit, after all. It's true. But the... I mean, the killer didn't sure. know that, so having Shinichi as the one is a little um, out of place. But he, I guess he explained, or the culprit explains and, themselves later. Right, because then that, that is a bit pretentious, you know, whenever that the whole, like, reveal is made and stuff, that the culprit is, you know, but he, that, that was a pretty pretentious judgment on his part right. about that. Megari asks them if they all have a connection to Murakami, and Nishina says that he does as he used to be a criminal reporter and wrote about his case. Shishido then says that he photographed him for a book called Portraits of Murderers. That would be a lovely coffee table oh, book. absolutely. Uh, alongside your book of poetry, Tyler. Absolutely. I think it's time for a poetry break. <laughs> we'll introduce this as a running thing on the show. No, no, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, a poetry break would appease the fans. <laughs> See, you hear that, Tyler? The fans will have to be miserable. That's <laughs> what the fans have been wanting. Nana looks suspicious and then calls Nashina's book a restaurant in Paris lame, saying that the place was terrible. She then asks him to guess what the wine is that she brought for Asahi. They do a blind wine taste, uh, tasting test, and Nashina believes that it's an expensive wine. However, Sawaki checks it and quickly says that it's Bourgeois Moulin Avint. Uh, she tells him to quit claiming to be a gourmet writer while he's ahead. Everybody goes off to grab drinks. 
Conan's surprised when Kogoro takes the juice from him as he's not drinking beer while Murakami could strike at any moment. So we get to see Kogoro being like uh, like an actual adult and responsible so for out once. of character form. Right? That he just would have been like, ho ho, I want a beer. But instead that I'm like, he got juice? That this must really sober him up because that one thing that you can admire about Kogoro is that whenever that cases involve his family, even to Conan to some extent, that you know that all of his bullshitting just goes away, and then uh, and then he just goes in a straight serious damn mode. Yeah, that's right. Conan goes to grab more juice from the kitchen and sees Sawaki trying some rare spices in the kitchen. Nana complains about Asahi being late, and then Ford pretends to be poisoned. A hilarious joke. <laughs> After having this whole situation described to him. Yeah. Leave it to the foreigner. Uh, I had wrote down up in my shorthand. Uh, asshole American. Leave it to the Americans to be the asshole. <laughs> the police ask everybody why they're there. And the photographer, the photographer says that Asahi was a fan of his. Ford and Nishina had the same reason. And Nana says that she even received a present. An expensive nail polish from France. Ford then finds a note on the floor, and Sawaki tells him to take any wine from the shelf M18 in the wine cellar to serve to everybody, and that the keys are on the register counter. Conan finds it's odd, as he didn't see it on the floor earlier when he was looking for a can of juice he dropped. Everybody's excited to see the wine cellar, and they go with Sawaki. They admire all the rare wines, and Conan notices a wire. He yells out, and Sawaki barely dodges an arrow from a rigged crossbow. Has the eight of spades there, and Megary wonders why the nine was skipped. They fear for the worst and decide to leave. However, the exit is closed, and that's when Nana discovers Asahi's body in the aquarium. Shiratori then tells Megary that the door is locked electronically, and the phone lines are cut. Kogoro tries to leave through the emergency exit, but it's been blocked off with cement. They're all trapped underneath the water here, which is a pretty stressful place to be trapped, Colleen. Uh, yeah, for some people. I'm... I would be quite too happy. <laughs> I, I like the water. Why? You're going to be happy to be trapped? Uh, no, not the trapped part, but being underwater. I don't know. I had like this weird thing as a kid. As a little girl, I always wanted to be a mermaid. I think a lot of people had that fantasy. But yeah, I would probably drown. Yeah, just to set that record straight. <laughs> I mean, I could... Like, like the rest of the characters, eventually they, they swim out of danger. But, uh, yeah, under. Are you sure you're not just gonna live under the sea? Uh, I'll try. I will dang well try. <laughs> I'll turn into a guppy if I have to. You know what they say: the seaweed is always greener in somebody else's <laughs> lake. You dream about going up there. That is a big mistake. What do they got? A lot of sand. We got a hot crustacean band. <laughs> Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. <laughs> All right, both of you got bars. <laughs> that line sounds a bit perverted. Yeah, that's why I, I just ended it there. Under the sea. <laughs> so uh, Nana's up uh, is next up, and Megri asks her to come clean with what she knows. She says that the, three months ago she was driving carelessly while talking on the phone. Typical woman. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and uh, she injured a man on a motorcycle. He swerved to get out of the way. Everybody splits up to go look for an exit, and Nana is told to stay with Ron and Conan. We then see a mysterious figure brandishing a sword. 
and uh, kind of tries to sneak off to look around. However, Ron grabs him before he can leave. Then there's a blackout, and Conan notices that Nana's nail polish shines in the dark. Have you ever had nail polish like this, Colleen? This seems like a fi- what a five-year-old would wear, but they don't even wear nail polish, so I don't understand the appeal of glow-in-the-dark yeah, nail polish. Yeah, it seems like a really 90s thing. Like This movie came out in the 90s, so I feel maybe that was like a fashion thing back then. I don't know if I ever had glow-in-the-dark nail polish. I think glow-in-the-dark anything was always hard for me to see. Like, it didn't work very well. I always had to kind of make it more, like, artificially dark just to try and uh, actually see it glow. Yeah, only, like, way I could, like, see this making sense is if you were going to, like, a rave or something. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. uh, A glass is thrown at Nana and she starts running away. She then screams and falls to the floor. Kegger turns the power back on, and we find out that she's been stabbed in the back and that she's dead. What a shame, Colleen. Oh, yeah. That real shame there. She was a, such a beloved yeah. character of the series. Right. One of she was so humble, so nice to everybody. Yeah. I thought she was good. <laughs> you loved her driving, didn't you? <laughs> I loved her driving, I loved her fashion sense, I loved her sassy attitude. My type of woman. Uh, Shiratori and Kegura run off to look for Murakami, and Megari tells the photographer to stop taking pictures before then asking him just to submit them to the police later. Conan tells Megari about her glowing fingernails, and then notices her middle fingernail has no polish left. Ron says that her fake fingernail must have come off, and Megari finds it on the floor. Conan then notices a handprint on her neck and figures out that the culprit is right-handed. He remembers that Murakami is left-handed, so it must not be him. He then remembers the man that shot Agasa was right-handed as well, so he feels a bit stupid for still suspecting Murakami this entire time. Conan believes that it's somebody amongst them and remembers that they kicked the juice on the floor. Conan says the juice must have stained the killer's pants and then checks everybody's pants legs. He's shocked by who it is and wonders why that person did the crimes. Sawaki then tells Kogoro that he was going to turn down the restaurant offer as he's planning to watch over his elderly planets. Planets. God. Planets? His, his elderly parents. He's just going to watch over the Earth, you this, know? This ties yep. nicely into your astrology bit from Doesn't earlier. Doesn't have long. Kenan grabs a bottle of water from the kitchen and then brings out drinks for everybody. Kenan says that his name doesn't have numbers, so he's safe. Uh, he then gives water to everybody and finds the proof that he was looking for. However, somebody triggers remote explosives and Megari yells at Shiratori Shir- to protect the photographer. And Sheena remarks that he's number two, so it should be a while until he's attacked. The emergency lights come on and then even more explosives are triggered in the aquarium, which begins to flood the building. Nashina can't swim and everybody's sent flying from the water. Kogoro grabs Nashina, and everybody surfaces up top, but Ron, she's still down there for some reason. Conan dives down with a bottle full of air, and he finds her trapped next to the Ferrari. He puts her, he puts the bottle of oxygen in her mouth and says that she's safe now. Instead of Conan, she sees Shinichi briefly, and Conan tries to use his suspenders to lift the car. However, his foot gets caught, and he passes out. And that's when he finally gets his A... As uh, Ron kisses him, so he can give him air, some mouth to mouth, thus fulfilling the fortune. All right. And uh, then she passes out. So I like how they're just 
They're both passing out back and forth. That's right. No, you pass out. No, you pass out. Yeah. <laughs> Conan frees himself from the car and then uses his suspenders to move the car, the Ferrari away. Ron starts floating up and Kegaru dives down and quickly brings her to the surface where she's okay after coughing up some water. He then tells her to thank Conan, who is still embarrassed after the so-called kiss. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like a classic bit of like pretending you, you're drowning so the hot like uh the hot lifeguard saves you oh, i don't think ron was pretending from the sand like that was the greatest i don't think she's pretending either but that bit is no conan was pretending Conan was pretending no that he wasn't pretending i didn't catch that that he was pretending that okay. he wasn't pretending right it's right. fun to say right but it's fun to dream it's fun to dream. Megaru's wound opens up, and then we see a bunch of cards surface, two through six. Conan says there's now an exit, as they can get out to the sea through the open glass. Everybody takes a big breath and dive down, going through the hole and emerging to some nearby stairs. Everybody's safe except for Nishina, who isn't breathing when they emerge. Sawaki goes to give CPR, but is stopped by Conan, who uses the bow tie to pose as Kogoro. He tells Shiratori to do it instead, and the actual Kokoro is quite confused as he didn't say anything. I love this moment. He's just so surprised by hearing his voice. It's so good. It's like, it wasn't me. While Kokoro wonders what happened, Conan knocks out Kogoro and says that the culprit isn't Murakami. The one who shot Agasa and killed Nana were right-handed, and uh, the CPR is successful, so we see Nishina still alive. Kogoro then says that the culprit met up with Murakami and learned that he had shot him ten years ago. He then used his nickname Joker and his job as a card dealer to his advantage because his name and people he wanted to kill all had numbers in them. The blame would then be placed on Murakami and people close to Kogoro were attacked to make it seem like revenge. He only really wanted to kill Asahi, Nana, and Suji. Kogoro says that the culprit is among them and he asks Shiratori what he did when he performed CPR. He says that he tilted his head back and lifted the neck to confirm the airway. Kogoro explains that doing it improperly would have killed him instead, and that Sawaki is the killer. So, uh, Colleen, were you surprised by uh, Sawaki being the killer, or were you able to piece it together? I wasn't too surprised. I don't think I got it as fast as uh, you two did. I I got it later on, and then when uh, he was going towards him to do the CPR and um, Conan stopped Sawaki, it was basically like confirmed for me that, okay, it, it was him. But there were other little uh, clues before that, and there's actually a a clip or like one of the cells actually has in the movie has his face um, reflected in the knife that he's about to use on uh, Nana. So uh, if like I couldn't catch it, oh wow! Like, I, I read that on the wiki, so don't be too impressed. But apparently that's in the movie. So if someone can catch it, then you know then that Sawaki is the culprit. Yeah, that's interesting. What about you, Spencer? I wasn't really much surprised by it. That the one thing that had kind of tipped me off further to just kind of like gravitating towards him was just that those two indentions on his uh, apartment floor. Then I was like, was that a chair? No, it couldn't have been a chair. It looked like somebody's heel. So I'm like, like, so then they might have, so it might have been some kind of altercation or something for just that this uh for just that this uh for just that this mirakami or 
you know, that that, that that Mirakami guy or something like that. But I couldn't necessarily piece his piece his reasoning together until until the deduction show. Oh, for sure. Like the motive was still a big question mark. Even even as Conan said that he was the guy who did it, I was still like, why? I don't even understand. Well, it was because his computer was actually his friend, Colleen. Right. <laughs> his computer was his friend, and uh, and that computer was then unplugged. Yelled out, John. Oh, John. John. Yeah. I'm sorry, John. John. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> uh, he says that Sawagi set up the crossbow after he killed Asahi in the Aqua Crystal last night. He also invited everybody here. Megury asks for the motive, and Conan explains that has to do with Ajusa, a disorder that makes you lose the ability to dis- distinguish taste. The sommelier actually has that disorder and says it can come from head injuries. Winds up that the biker that Nana injured was actually him, and that he was only able to guess the wine by the color and aroma, not the taste. That's why he was going to end his career early. However, before he stepped away, he wanted to get revenge, Colleen. Yeah, classic revenge plot. I love them. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on a, this taste disorder that this guy has come up with? Did you know that was a thing? I, you could just lose your taste forever? Uh, Yeah, I didn't know what it was called, so thank you for informing me. Uh, I uh, did hear about it. Um, a juicer. A juice, yeah, a juicer. Um, a juicer. Uh, like, that really sucks for him though given that he's a sommelier like that is like the one thing that you don't want to have like he'd probably rather go blind than lose his sense of taste so i i kind of felt bad for him but i don't know if it was um like if the revenge and the killing all the people was warranted mm-hmm. yeah megary's kind of later on he's like you killed him for that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and megary's seen a lot of stuff yeah, and then that I just thinking to myself that like just like you aren't that you are seeking out revenge because you had lost your sense of taste. Go find a go find a different career. Why are you running around developing all of this tactical murder plot, revenge plot? Come on now. <laughs> also, um, we haven't really talked about this aspect. Um, I did bring kind of this idea up a few episodes ago, but he specifically chooses to center this around Koguro and his friends and family. What do you think about him going after a, like, famous detective? Like, do you feel like he wanted to be caught? Like, because obviously he he takes a hostage soon, so obviously he wasn't planning on being caught. So, like, why would he choose him of all people? Like, surely you could find somebody else with a, like, number in their name. This seems crazy to me. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Then that it is basically because of because of that ten years ago, Kogoro had arrested Murakami, Kami, and then that Murakami is basically you know that he had got released on parole that they said, and then that we had never knew that why Murakami was going up to the uh, detective to the detective agency up in that opening shot. We didn't know that if that he was going to basically, you know, like uh, get his revenge or something. So then that that was a good kind of setup for that to make to 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 just make novice viewers whose first time watching this movie 
see basically, oh, okay, then it could have been the guy just straight from prison. Yeah, but, but yeah. why get like this whole 14 people involved anyhow? You're just like upping your chances to get caught if you... Ex- like, he involved so many people that had nothing... He, he wanted to kill, what, like, three or four people? So, like, he'd yeah. have a better chance just killing those three people, not getting Kogro, who's a master detective, has that <laughs> reputation, Apparently. involved in the case at all. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. What What do you think, Colleen? Uh, no, I th- so I think that it would have been interesting to see originally what his plan was, just if he wanted to get those three or four people... Um, the fact that he met Murakami and he got like this brainwave of, oh, all of a sudden I'm going to have them all be somehow acquainted with Kogoro. I don't know if it was the best route for him to take. Maybe. I think God, he had 14? like a screw. Why 14 people? He had a screw loose at some point. Like this guy has gone through some, um, psychological Excuse trauma. Me. He's lost his sense of taste. He can no longer perform his job. So he's not, uh, I don't think he's all there necessarily yeah you're not wrong. right yeah yeah and then it's just basically that he does point out that the rest were just going to be just like collateral so then i'm like yeah you fucked up buddy Kenny says that the spice that uh Sawaki was tasting earlier was chili pepper and that a sommelier would typically avoid strong taste he also tested his sense of taste by having Kenan bring out mineral water as his had salt in it and he didn't notice Sawaki admits that he has lost his sense of taste, but that doesn't prove that he's a murderer. He tells him to, uh, he's then informed to check his pocket, and in it is the cork that Nana had drawn a cat on earlier, and he was holding it. Turns out when he stabbed Nana from behind, she turned around and stuffed it in his pocket. That exchange saw her nail fall off, and Kenan remarks that it's ironic that a sommelier has been revealed by a wine cork. Boom. Got his ass, Conan. Great job. And Conan gets his line in. Ironic that you're outdone mm-hmm. by the very thing that was part of your career. That's his voice. That's the Conan at a glow. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Love. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I'm a master impressionist. Yeah, then you have succeeded me. Colleen is your new uh, voice impersonator. Yeah. Well, so, well, Tyler, you did mention that I I should look like my uh, my my uh, astrology reading was that I should look at a career change. Yep. Think I'm going to take this path gonna be a conan edagawa as an impersonator impersonator <laughs> oh voice actor i could see it i can see oh, you. thanks guys I'm, I'm totally joking but now that i got you guys behind me maybe maybe i can go places <laughs> uh please don't quit your day job please <laughs> but it's okay i mean that mm. Kenan also says that his pocket holds the Ace of Spades. He pulls it out and throws it at a dazed Ron. Swaki says that it's exactly as Kogoro says, and that Nana caused him to crash. Afterward, he couldn't taste, and the doctor said it might be a result of stress. He then broke the bottle of wine that he had been saving out of anger, and decided to get revenge on Nana for injuring him, and Asahi the golfer, and Nishina for adding to his stress. He says that Asahi was buying foreign wine but wasn't taking care of it properly. Nashina pretended to be gourmet and was passing along incorrect information and the golfer insulted his profession at a party a few months back. The insult's so funny because he's drunk and he just like puts a pig on him and he's like, oh, right. you're bad, John. Then he gives him like a ladle and he's like, oh, is this your your taste bin? Huh? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't even like being that much of a dick. And Megan was like, Wait, you kill somebody over that? And he's like, 
he insulted the dignity and pride of some of a sommelier, which I've all I've had in my life. Yeah. Yeah, that I was like killing somebody over stress. I'm like, wine is supposed to chill you out. That I am not a big fan of wine, but it's like it's just too bitter for me. But still, it's supposed to like make you feel chill. That this guy probably needed to drink some wine. Versus going on this murderous and expensive rampage. Well, you couldn't taste the wine anyways. Right? <laughs> Too soon. That's terrible. Sawaki then says that he also killed Murakami as he saw him by coincidence in front of the Mori Detective Agency on the day he was released. He invited him out and Murakami said that he wanted to apologize for what he did ten years ago. That's when Sawaki came up with a plan and he murdered him after getting him drunk. The rest were used for their numbers, and he was looking forward to Shinichi coming, but it didn't work out. So he was, like, even excited about this, like, young, hot prospect of a detective. So I do feel like the thrill of going up against, like, detectives was, like, and outsmarting them was part of his plan. I feel like that was, like, part of his motive to, like, come up with this elaborate scheme. Yeah, I wish they played that up a little bit, though, if that was part of it. Like, maybe have some sort of backstory where, I don't know, a detective also wronged him or something, so he wants to get back at sort of Tokyo's finest detectives, but it it just seemed a little random for me to have Shinichi as one of the targets. It probably could have probably also stemmed from, like, that the infer about that the hit and run, run, that he had to do it all uh, on his own to figure out, like, who it actually did it. And then that uh, he and then and then uh, he got mad at the police force for them not not you know like taking it serious or something. Yeah, if they'd thrown like a line in about that, that would have been that added yeah, a whole other dimension yeah. to it. But they didn't. Right. He then says that he blew up the underwater area to kill Nishina, and that he didn't care about anybody else, as this place would have crumbled to the sea. Kegura then tells Shiratori to hold Sawaki down, but before he can, he takes up the remote explosive and triggers it. He then takes Ron hostage to a reawakened Kogoro's surprise, and Megari says that he just exposed his crimes, because Kogoro's like, what? Why does he have my daughter? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you just explained all this. <laughs> the area they are in starts to crumble underneath them, and Sawaki starts to run towards a helicopter. The rest are told to evacuate by the police, and Kogoro and Conan run after Ron. They take an elevator to the top of the building, and Shiratori takes out his gun. Kigoro asks how the detective is with a gun, and Megari says that he isn't a good shot. The helicopter pilot is confused by the scene as Sawaki arrives holding a knife next to Ron and calls in an emergency. The police and Kigoro arrive, and Sawaki dares Shiratori to shoot, but his hands are shaking. Megari's wound resurfaces, and he falls to the ground. Sawaki then says that he needs to kill the golfer, and that he'll kill himself afterwards, and he's taking Ron with him. Uh, Ron's pretty helpless because she has no energy, and she asks Shinichi for help, and the platform starts to shake. Sawaki asks for Shiratori's gun, and Kigoro also asks for it. Sawaki draws blood from Ron's neck and gets Shiratori to toss the gun down on the ground. He then tells Conan to bring it to him. Ron tells Conan not to give him the gun, and Conan finally figures out why Kigoro shot Eri. Conan picks up the gun and then shoots it. Ron falls to the floor, and Sawaki lets her go. Kagura runs up to Sawaki, performs a judo throw, and then Conan saves Ron from falling off the building. Shiratari remarks that the shot was used to save the hostage, 
and Megri says that the hostage that is shot in the leg becomes excess baggage to the criminal. Ron then understands why her father did what he did 10 years ago and hugs him as the helicopter starts picking everybody up. Sawaki is arrested, but the building starts tumbling again, and Megari and Kyogre lift up Sawaki from falling, and uh, Kyogre tells him, I'm going to make you see the weight of your crimes, and then fly off right before the building collapses, so very close call there. So a lot of action here. Colleen, what did you think of Conan shooting Ron, and... Uh, what do you think of this whole scene here? Oh, well, it was pretty intense, but I thought every aspect of the scene was so good. Just the whole like history repeating itself and Ron and um, Conan being a reflection of Aerie and Kogoro and what happened. I just thought it was beautifully done. And the fact that, you know, Ron is asking for Shinichi's help. So it ends up being Shinichi, a.k.a. Conan, that uh, does the shooting i mean kogro could have done it too but it's all the more impactful that it was conan i thought at least well just wait it's going to be spencer next he's going to take the shot as he's talked about That's earlier right. here what do I you mean, think what do you think about the scene spencer oh yeah that this scene was you know top five moments of the detective conan movie canon for me because then that you just got that the you know, then that they are like chasing that the dude and stuff, and then that you know that the building is collapsing with just all of the, the cords and stuff just keep on coming up to just that final moment, and then that you see that both she, both Shinatori and Megari are that they are terrible shots, and then that you just see Conan just pick it up with just a, the nice Matrix style slow motion, and then that he's just. And then that, you know, that he is just properly holding the Colt 45. And then that, and then that he just cocks the trigger and just shoots in. And it's just like, man, what, uh, well, what just a high octane scene. Indeed, indeed. Uh, as they're flying off, Kenny reminds a calm Kogro of his fear of flying. And so he starts to freak out. <laughs> Conan also returns the gun to Shiratori and says that the gun just accidentally went off. Whoops. <laughs> uh, Shiratori is glad that it just grazed Ron's leg and no serious damage was done Kenny then remarks that he's practiced shooting a lot with his father in Hawaii of all places and isn't happy about giving Ron a painful memory Ron then asks her father if Shinichi would have shot the same way he did and Kikura says that while he doesn't know but if he's as good as a shot as he is then maybe uh, she then holds the ace of spades and says that she was clutching it tightly the entire time so Shinichi could protect her. I like how Conan, like, saves her life and she's still thinking about Shinichi. I know. I know they're the same person, so it's kind of fine. But it's like, <laughs> come on, girl. This is like a doctor, like, saving your life and you're like, oh, thank you. Thanks, Shinichi. Thank you for your prayers. Definitely wasn't the doctor. But Shinichi's like the be and end all for Ron, so let's not be too hard on her. Mm-hmm. We then get an ending song and credits. It then skips uh, several weeks later, and Eri explains that she always knew why Kagura shot her, much to Ron's surprise. And she says that the reason she moved out is because he insulted her cooking. The big mystery revealed here, Oh, Colin. come on. I know. <laughs> oh, this gag. I mean, that the way that this gag came off to me was then that she had basically prepared this meal for him Right after that, you know, that he had uh, saved her and then that he just said that the food was ter- terrible. Typical Kogoro. Cor- cor- yeah, but I, in Kogoro's defense, I think he was just trying to get her to, like, rest. He was like, hey, don't 
Your food sucks anyhow. Just, but uh, he came up as an asshole. Though. Yeah, but I, th- I think he was well-intentioned, though. So do you guys think that this is before Kogoro started About gambling 50-50. and going to hostess clubs? Because th- it seems like there were there would be more reasons for Aerie to leave Kogoro besides just insulting her cooking. Right, right. That That is true, because then that, that this one big pivotal moment, even though that it is a gank... It does make you wonder, as a Detective Conan fan, like, is this the real reason that she left him? Then that they are separated? Yeah. Because I thought it was for a different reason. But this kind of uh, makes it a little funny, almost. Like, that it was something so mundane that caused the the rift between them. Yeah, nothing funnier than a broken home calling. Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, because I'm. I just think that that's hilarious. So the movie ends with Eri calling Kogoro a dense jerk, and kind of remarks that it'll be a long time until they get back together. It sure will. Yeah, nine nine hundred mm-hmm. plus episodes at least. So overall, Colleen, what do you think about movie two, the Fourteenth Target? Um, I really enjoyed it. Actually, I thought that the first part of the movie, basically up till they got into the Aqua Crystal, I thought the pacing of the movie was pretty good. It kind of slowed down at the Aqua Crystal for me. It it almost like took a shift from being kind of the okay, we're targeting these people, counting down, and then it went to almost like a and then there were none situation or one of those stories where you get a bunch of people in a room or in a building and then you have to figure out okay who's killing who off so it had a kind of that dual dual plot line for me a little bit but the transition i thought was really good um i like the whole backstory the kogro airy ron stuff uh, i thought it was really satisfying as soon as ron realized that what that kogro did it to save her mother because i think that for a good portion of the film, she misunderstood her father, which was a real shame, but um, it was satisfying for me, like, the moment that she realized, okay, he actually saved her and didn't want to shoot her. Um, the whole, like, uh, A, uh, fortune-telling thing, I-, I liked how it came back in a few aspects, like Ron and Conan kissing, and then, like, Shinichi be- being the ace of spades, represented as the A on the card. So I thought that this movie had a lot of neat little tie-ins and i thought it wrapped up really well um one weak point for me and we've discussed it was that sawaki's motive wasn't that strong it seemed a little petty to me but that might be just my opinion yeah i think it's just it's definitely petty but like uh it just kind of shows this i guess his mental state being so unstable um i enjoyed the i enjoyed the movie uh quite a bit at first, I thought it was a little bit too much to handle with all these different characters being thrown at you, and then seemingly of not much consequence, but then they all come back later, thankfully. But, uh, uh, yeah, they do definitely get away from the, like, counting down stuff at the, once they get into that restaurant, because they're just like, oh, here's two through six at mm-hmm. once. It's like, come on, dude. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was a fun movie, um... Kind of like the weird villain aside, I thought there were some good moments. I liked uh, uh, the CPR scene. There's some good humor with uh, Genta. And uh, I thought the uh, helicopter scene was rather intense. So I enjoyed the film. What about you, Spencer? 
Well, that the movie was epic and in that I would consider it like basically like one of my top five Detective Conan movies, movies of all time that it, it's not top three, but it will be four or five. And then that it's basically that the case was solid. I like that kind of that the killer signature of just using that the card cards cards to basically drop their little symbols and just basically it, it, it was kind of like a kind of just like you Tyler it was just kind of like hard to kind of keep all of the names together but once then that whenever then that much like also as Colleen said as soon as they got to the aqua crystal crystal then it just kind of got like he kind of got sloppy at the end with just some of the writing especially during that the whole like drowning scene and such such well almost drowning scene and then it's just basically just that the culprit, as we have all previously said, said that his motive was kind of lame and in that, you know, that his intentions were kind of just off there. But then that they had some really good Shinran moments for 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 those that are into that shipping, that the characters dynamics between Kogoro and Eri match just with Shinran, Shinran. And then it, it, it was just overall a very fun movie. Yeah, so it looks like we all enjoyed it. Um, Spencer, you had a theory you wanted to share with uh, our listeners. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So then, that if that you if that you guys don't remember re, re, remember fellow uh, listeners on basically that I did say that I did have a theory about like uh, it was basically the Kogoro downfall theory, and then that even though that this movie is not canon. Ken and then I would like both of your guys' opinions on it. So after that, so then, so then after that, he had like left the police force. He basically could not handle that guilt of shooting just eerie and then all, and then also giving his daughter some some heavy ass PTSD. So basically, then that's whenever that the drinking, the host club stuff, and then that the daily and then that the daily mahjong. Ma Mahjong just started just happening, and then that he just kept on going down that spiral spir spiraling slope because that he was a very prominent cop as shown shown with just at the teamwork that Hillman and Megary had, and then that his marksmanship we could just basically just call him that the Legolas of the show that the way that he just basically just grazed the shot 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 of just like of just like Erie's leg and then just like shot the dude up in that the uh, shoulder shoulder very cleanly i don't know that what do you guys think about that little small theory even though that this this could not be canon but it is canon for my head canon yeah i mean it definitely impacted his life uh even if uh that isn't the reasoning because obviously he separated with eerie and i think that situation also just losing his wife you know negatively impact impacted him and made him want to indulge on a you know, gambling, booze, you know, kind of his, uh, uh, his, uh, his vices, you know? So, uh, it definitely impacted him. What, what do you think, Colleen? Uh, I like the idea of Kogoro being the Legolas of the series. That's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. Um, but I think it might be a mixture of what you said, Spencer. Like, Kogoro, sure, he has this kind of guilt for what he did, and that's kind of what, uh, spiraled downwards his career and his life but Kogoro is also uh, like that by nature I feel like he's very playful and he kind of likes that gambling and drinking aspect to life so I feel like 
it's also it's an escape for him, but it's also kind of him going back to his old ways before maybe Aerie and Ron were part of his life. So yeah, it's really interesting to kind of just delve into Kogro's psychology a little bit because I don't know if we do that too much, but like it once we start talking about it, Kogro is actually one of the more like interesting maybe characters in this in the series. Oh yeah, absolutely. That he is a deep character and then that he uses all of that as a coping mechanism because that whenever he does actually sober up and stuff, that he looks confident and just confident. I mean, because it's just basically that, you know, that I remember just kind of like uh, whenever that I just first watched the show, then I was like, that this guy is rude and just an idiot. But as that I have grown older and stuff, Kogoro has actually became like one of my top favorite characters of the show. Show, show, because of the fact that his character is just so deep, and then he's just a family man that who just likes to judo flip people whenever <laughs> you mess with his family. Absolutely. I wonder, because it is a kids' show. I wonder how kids uh, react to Kogoro if they if they think he's like a bumbling idiot. Like I don't know. I, I personally enjoy watching Kogra. I think he's hilarious, but I don't know if kids see him the same way. So that'll do it for uh, movie two here. Uh, we'll be back next week with the a two-parter, uh, <clears throat> the memories of first love case. And uh, Spencer, thank you for coming on the podcast again. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. And then uh, if uh, that, no problem. And then that, uh, thank you guys for having me. That you know that this is one of my favorite movies and stuff. And then uh, if that you ever want me back on or else if that the viewers like to hear my Southern twang, you can just uh, like let me know if then uh, y'all want me on for future episodes or something like that. Where can people find you on Twitter? That they can find me on Twitter at uh, NinjaSpence21 on Twitter and also on uh, Instagram. Awesome. And uh, Colleen, people can't find you on Twitter. Uh, what what uh, province of Canada can people stalk you out on and forget about social distancing uh, you can send me a letter to the province of ontario <laughs> it'll get to me somehow maybe remember she's the only colleen in canada so that'll um yeah so you can follow me on twitter at tyler trees and the show's at case underscore reopened and we'll be back next week bye 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 and remember one truth always prevails <laughs>